you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys coming by the big circus tent in the sky where we bring forth the greatest minds, the greatest authors, the brilliant uh, insights, the Pulitzer Prize winners, the, the journalists. Uh, everybody comes on this show, the CEOs, the business people, and uh, brings their brilliance and intelligence that makes you smarter on the show. And I'm just here being your silly host to tell the jokes and, and I don't know, try and make everything uh, more interesting or less interesting. But the hosts or the guests are the uh, main uh, uh, entree that we have aboard the Chris Voss show. Aboard the, the entree? What are we, like a train or something? I don't know. Anyway, guys, as always, you know, refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com for Chess Chris Voss, youtube.com for Chess Chris Voss, linkedin.com for Chess Chris Voss. That LinkedIn newsletter is so hot right now. And uh, also go see us on TikTok. We're over there at Chris Voss 1 and uh, the Chris Voss Show podcast uh, on TikTok. We're trying to be cool, but... Uh, I don't know. The kids are looking at us going, you're kind of old, man. Anyway, guys, uh, we have an amazing author on the show. She's written her newest book, and this thing's pretty interesting. Uh, you may have heard of this uh, young lady named Princess Diana. She's very popular, especially with the, uh, with the uh, what do they call those uh, guys who go out and shoot photography and sneak up on people in the uh, media and, and Hollywood stuff. Uh, but we'll find out for sure, because I'm sure she knows the term I'm looking for, but uh, she's very popular and very loved across. Uh, 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 I think most people really liked her, uh, but uh, she, uh, we have an author, uh, Wendy Holden, a multi-book author is on the show with us today. Her newest book, the princess August 1st, 2023 has just come out, and we're going to be talking to her about her amazing book and insights to it. Welcome to the show, Wendy. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Chris. It's very exciting to be here. It's very exciting to have you. Thank you for coming on the show. It's an honor. Uh, give, us your give us your .net, wherever you want people to find you on the interwebs, maybe on social media as well. Yeah, I'm wendyholden.net. That's my website. And I'm wendyholdenauthor on Instagram, which is where I'm, I'm mostly posting things. I'm also on Twitter, wendy underscore holden. There you go. So, that Twitter. Yeah. yeah. They, they recently did a thing where they're like limiting stuff because I think they broke their algorithm. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> you, can only, you can only process like 600 tweets. So there you go. Uh, so, Wendy, uh, give us a little bit of a bio on you, if you would, please. Yeah, I was a journalist um, for 14 years before I became an author, and I've written 20 books, and most of them, or the last, um, the first 17 were romantic comedies, and then I pivoted to historical fiction, and I've written three novels about the Windsor women, um, who are the, the women who, was who really disrupted the House of Windsor. So mm. the first one was called The Royal Governess, which was about the Queen's teacher this uh, lady called marion crawford yeah, really amazing interesting story and completely buried for 80 years and then i wrote the duchess which is about um wallace simpson who is a, obviously as you know a really interesting woman and a really incredible story uh, the abdication 
and so on. And then, as you say, my my most recent one is about that ultimate disruptor of the House of Windsor, Princess Diana. Although I'm not really writing about her years as Princess Diana, this novel is about the years before she became Princess Diana. Because I was interested in the run-up, you know, how she got mm-hmm. there and and how it all happened. And it's the most amazing story. There you go. I don't. I. I you know. I. I think there's not a lot written about her prior life no uh, exactly prince charles exactly exactly that and it was it's such an incredible story because you know the whole um business of of the whole journey to saint paul's cathedral was was so unlikely it was so chaotic it was so contrived and manipulated and the only person really who believed it was a a romance was was diana and everyone else was you know um it was it was all quite heavily um uh yeah, manipulated, I would say. But the reasons why and the people who were doing it are also different and f- and for such different reasons uh, that it made it a, just the most fantastic ensemble, um, you know, cast of characters, all of whom were up to different things, but ultimately pushing these two people together. So it was just the most fascinating story to to, to, to write, to novelise. Yeah, the, the whole uh, royal thing seems to be uh, quite the machine uh you know yeah exactly royal inherent and and i think people kind of got the gist in watching her that she seemed to be the odd man out you know she seemed to be like the normal person and everybody else is you know running the machine and the operation of of the royal yeah i think that's right and 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 of course the the thing about her story the most that's the fundamental fact is that she was so incredibly young she was just a kid you know she was only a teenage girl and she was you know in the middle of this this very sophisticated and 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 very ruthless setup you know pushing them all in in this particular direction and she was happy to go along with it because you know she she really really thought charles was hot stuff and she really really wanted to marry him but um it was it it was but and then when she eventually found out that it wasn't all that it seemed it was a bit too late but i was fascinated by the contrast of her story the way that ultimately what we saw on the day of the royal wedding was not just a little bit different from the reality it was the complete opposite (laughs) because you know this romantic vision was really not the truth at all and i was fascinated by that and the 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 whole run-up from when she first met him to 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 when she stepped out of the carriage just such an incredible sequence of events and you know chris i I didn't just want to write about the sort of sad aspects of it because obviously as we know his story was ended in sort of terrible disillusionment and, and 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 unhappiness but before all that happened before she realized what she'd let herself in for you know there were there were moments of real joy and excitement and fun and mm. and some of my favorite bits to write some of my favorite chapters were when she was um living in london with her flatmates when she was a sloan ranger you know just having a sort of happy time with you know lots of suitable blokes and and you know making spaghetti bolognese suppers and uh you know, go, going to Benetton and buying brightly coloured jumpers and cycling around and just being very normal in that sort of um, um, 
Sloan Ranger kind of way. And she was obviously really happy then. You know, mm -hmm. there they were all sort of, you know, the kitchen was always full of steam from the spaghetti. There was always someone in the bathroom. They were all banging on the door, borrowing each other's clothes, answering the phone. You know, just loads of, just three teenage girls and their goldfish, you know, mm -hmm. living in this flat. So I wanted to have a bit of that. You know, I was interested in, in, in that sort of side of it too. And, mm -hmm. and how that all came to a sudden end, you know, when she became engaged. And that was when she moved into Buckingham Palace and that was it really. There you go. So do you just cover a, a period of her youth before she gets married? Cause you, you did a, a historical fiction novel, correct? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, yes. I mean, I wanted to look at the, as far back as I could. So mm -hmm. uh, I begin with the school days and then, and, and the moving around from, I mean, she grew up in Norfolk. She, she, she lived in a place in, on the Sandringham estate, actually, um, a house on the Sandringham estate where the Queen lived, for, where the Queen was at Christmas and Easter and so on. And this is where she first met Charles. She used to be invited to birthday parties for the young princes. And it mm -hmm. seems that the first time Charles and Diana clapped eyes on each other was when Princess Di, well, obviously Diana Spencer, as she was then, was hiding behind a curtain with the five-year-old Prince Andrew during a game of hide-and-seek. And Prince Charles came walking into the room in his, you know, he was 18, but wearing a suit and tie, as he obviously was always, being quite sort of buttoned up, and um, he drew aside the curtain and sort of found them. And that was the first time they saw each other. Wow. So, and you can just imagine the sort of giggly little girl or shrieking as the curtain was pulled back. And, and, and that was that. I did, I mean, obviously, that wasn't love at first sight. That was just the first time they saw each other. But um, it's quite fun to think that that was the, the first encounter. And then she met him a few years later when he came to shoot uh, for a shooting weekend at her father's estate when they'd moved to Northamptonshire to the, to the estate there. And um, yeah, so so it was just f fun to imagine, you know, what those scenes were actually like, because that's what I like. You know, I like to think, what was it like to be there? What did they look like? What did they say? You know, um, so yeah, lots of that sort of detail. There you go. So why did you decide to make it a, a historical novel or a historical fiction as opposed to, you know, doing... A biography. Know, yeah, a biography sort of thing. Well, actually, Chris, it's because nobody else has written a novel about Princess Diana. And there are loads and loads of biographies. And it was yeah. just more interesting for me. I mean, I'm a novelist. I'm not a biographer. And I wanted to novelize, fictionalize everything that I, all the best bits that I'd found in biographies and just fill them in with my imagination. Because obviously there, there are lots of things that you won't find in a biography, but it's quite easy to, to imagine what it must have been like. So, um, yeah, so that's why I did it. I, and that's what I did with, with the other books too. And also, you know, I, I, if, if you have your own idea about, um, what a character is like and what the real story is, you, you can use biographies to frame your theory. I mean, for example, with Princess Diana, my one of my main themes in The Princess is that uh, she was she was completely obsessed with historical fiction. As a child, she read endless Barbara Cartland novels. You know, she absolutely, she just lost herself in them. And I think she was actually escaping into them after her parents' terrible divorce, which is really unhappy time for the family, oh, wow. very, very difficult. She was very unhappy about it. It was horrible. Her mother left home. She only saw her every other weekend. They stayed with their father. Really? He was very depressed and... um mm -hmm. So it was a, a sort of strange life. And she escaped from this into 
um, romantic fiction into sort of paperback romances. And so it seemed to me that it was very possible that her idea of Prince Charles as being this wonderful romantic figure who was going to rescue her from all her troubles and you know, take her away on a white charger and make her a princess, just like the women in the novels, came from those books. And I think it was because she'd read so much romantic fiction that she was able to see him in that light when nobody else did really not even himself but she just saw him in this way and it meant that all the warning signs that you know that's things that her friends might have said to her things that her f uh, members of her family might have said to her about whether this was a good idea she was so young did she really want to go and live in Buckingham Palace with somebody 18 years older than her sorry 12 years older than her um but she just was completely set on, on on the marriage and I think that was the reason why you know she completely saw him as this this romantic figure straight out of a novel and it sort of blinkered her to the reality so that was something that obviously you're not going to find in a biography and that was something that I except that just in passing because most people will refer to that um, obsession with romantic novels as you know something sort of you know pathetic and laughable and juvenile and, and, and illustrative of the fact that you know she wasn't very bright all this kind of stuff but to me that was really fundamental it was a really important thing about her because it meant that she it sort of explained everything that happened in a way that nothing else could because you know how could she have been so young and have been so willing to marry this much older man who didn't seem to be very interested but she would have seen it as you know the course of true love was always difficult you know you have to win your man and there are problems and you know and so on so she would have seen it all in that light mm -hmm. and most importantly and most interestingly um and this is quite weird uh for, from a 2023 perspective but in 1979 when the royal family were looking for a bride for charles she had to be various things she had to be an aristocrat she had to be young she wow. had to be protestant she had to be, <laughs> to be a virgin she had to be what? completely chaste yeah she had to be have no previous liaisons with anybody she wow. had to be completely uh what, what was the phrase they used completely sort of without a past that's what they that was the without euphemism used she had to wow. be without a past. So the problem was that he was um, 30 and he'd, he'd had lots and lots of girlfriends and there really weren't very many suitable women left in Britain. You know, there weren't many suitable aristocrats left. And Diana was just about the only one. And one of the really? most amazing things about her and the reason she was so suitable was that she was without a past. And I think it's possible that one of the reasons she was without a past was that she had been so obsessed with romantic novels in which the heroines are always chased and they never succumb. They never give in to a man. They know that, you know, the reward of true love is chastity. And then you're, when you're married, that's it. That's fine, which is why they always end in marriage. So I think it was... That explained that whole sort of strange situation. Only Diana could have married Charles, and they were actually the most unsuitable people in the world for each other. But the the romantic novel aspect was fundamental. So that was a good example of something that you wouldn't find in a biography, but I was able to develop as a theme in the novel um, because uh, I I really believe that's one of the uh, the, the, the the well the, the most important aspects of a story, which mean that. Barbara Cartland's novels and romantic novels, which 
are absolutely ridiculous and have the most um, absurd plots and the most crazy sounding characters aren't just silly books. They've they've had a real effect on the history of Britain because they brought about this wedding, which um, then went on to you know have this kind of colossal effect on the nation and by extension on the rest of the world. So, you know, so anyway, there you yeah. go. <laughs> I, that, and, and that's brilliant. You know, I think we all kind of saw that too. I mean, th we, we kind of saw these, these two weird individuals, you yeah. know, here's this beautiful young uh, princess Diana and, and this, this dude who, uh, you know, he, he's not, he's not, uh, He's not striking in any way, shape, or form. I mean, maybe he was when he was young. I don't know. Hi, folks. Here's Foss here with a little station break. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching, speaking, and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as a CEO, and be sure to check out Chris Voss Leadership institute.com now back to the show well, people thought he was really hot when he was young amazingly but yes absolutely yeah this must <laughs> was, be an england yeah thing. He, must be he, he was yeah i think so he was seen as a as a kind of you know um action man type of figure when he was rushing around in tight white trousers playing polo people thought that was great yeah <laughs> Charles. It, it sure is an age well let's put it that way but uh no he hasn't yeah. really <laughs> yes. So, but you know, it's, and then, uh, I, I mean, it was, it was just so interesting to watch and yeah, I mean, I think over the years, people have kind of understood the machinery that goes into, um, you know, keeping the, the, the looks up or the, uh, the thing up, but yeah, it did seem like a PR sheet of, of putting her on and bringing her in. And then you, and you just saw how, you know, it, it she was like the odd woman out odd man out sort of thing where it's just you're you're like she's not like the others basically it was like a sesame street thing you know one of these <laughs> things is not like well, the other yeah absolutely and she always had that quality of there was something sort of genuine about her and and this had been so eager to please and most of all so young you know i think she really really desperately wanted to make a success of being sure. princess of wales and really wanted to please the family partly because she'd had such a, a terrible time herself you know her, her family had broken up and she longed for a family you know she was really kept desperate to you know be the best possible daughter-in-law, the best possible wife, the best possible sister-in-law to all these people. But of course, the Windsors are a completely dysfunctional family and, and even more so than her own. So it was never going to happen. And they all, you know, they were not interested. But um, she uh, thought that it was, uh, you know, that it was going to be the answer to all her problems. But it was actually just the start of that. <laughs> You know, it's funny as I'm looking at the crown uh, pictures because uh, I pulled up Diana and uh, Prince Charles and uh, the Prince Charles in the crown is more creepy looking than the original Prince Charles. <laughs> so that's just my opinion. But no, this has been a this has been a major thing of intrigue. Uh, I think a lot of people love Diana. I think they saw her for uh, just the humanness of her. And like yeah. I said, you know, uh, her in contrast to the menagerie of of the of this this sort of weird family that you're just like you mentioned, they're kind of, they kind of have some issues. Uh, I imagine after, I don't know how long is, how long have 
kings and queens have been reigning there over in England. Uh, oh, you know, about oh, a thousand years or so. Yeah. Yeah. Half the family's inbred or something. And yeah. Uh, she had to find a Protestant. And that's just crazy, man. I mean, no, he, he, he had to find a Protestant. Yeah. That, that's yeah. to do with the law. Um, there's a Catholic. law? Yeah, there's a law. Do you oh, not know this, Chris? What's I don't. The matter with I, you? I'm England. You don't know this? I, we're, it's, it's, we're Yankees over here. We, uh, this uh, we left you guys and said. Uh, yeah, I don't think most that. people in Britain know this, Chris. To be honest with you, and I don't think that, and I think they care even less about the. But there, but there is a um, there's, there's a an law. actual act of there's an act of Parliament, a law, which means that Catholics cannot be um, cannot sit on the throne of England. You wow. have to, yeah. You have to be Protestant. You have to be Church of England because then you become um, the the head of the Church of England. Wow, I was yeah, just reading no, the I was just rereading the Prince by Machiavelli and oh, you know, yeah. he talks about some of these popes running around and yeah, doing yeah. stuff and wars and stuff. So yeah, I imagine there was some sort of you know there's some sort of ancient uh, medieval whatever. But uh, so do you cover? In the book, when she marries Prince, or beyond when she marries Prince Charles, you just kind of uh, no, I, I don't, I don't cover the wedding itself. Although I'm interested in the whole run up to it, because that might be one book two. Yeah, yeah. One of the, one of the things that um that's, that's interesting, and one of the reasons I got interested in the whole story to start with, I was looking at the timeline, um, and I realised that uh, Diana was and Charles were engaged at the end of February 1981, but they didn't get married until the end of July. And she moved into Buckingham Palace at the end of February after the engagement was announced. So she was there for nearly five months. And I started to wonder about what on earth had happened during that period. I was trying to imagine this 19-year-old girl in this huge palace and sort of rattling around for five months before the wedding. And what on earth she did and what was going on? Because obviously outside in the world, people could talk about nothing else. They were obsessed with her. There were endless articles, endless programs, endless everything. But in fact, for her, it was a sort of vacuum. She was in the middle of all this, but there's nothing happening. I think she'd hoped that the family would take her in and show her, you know, how to wave, how to dress, all this stuff. But nobody did anything at all. And she was more or less left alone. And um, that was the point at which she started de developing her bulimia and, and so on. And in fact, um, she was so lonely and it was so sad and she was so young that some of the footmen took pity on her and brought her McDonald's from, you know, the, the nearest one at oh, Victoria wow. Station. Yeah, it was really sad. And, she, you know, she'd bonded down to the post office room in Buckingham Palace and start opening some of the presents that came in. And, um, you know, she she... It was it was just a really sad period. So I sort of worked my way back from there, and I was sort of thinking, so what did she do, and what was that like? And then, and I, and I sort of back from there, back from there, and I was always really interested in that really horrible suit she wore to be engaged in because she was so young, and she wore this truly terrible blue suit, which was really stiff and really old fashioned. And so I wanted to sort of sort of think about how did that happen? Why did she wear such a bad suit? And you know, so yeah. who did she go shopping with? What shop was it? And as it happened. She went shopping with her mother, with whom she didn't get on very well. Oh. And they'd gone to one shop and had a row, and they'd ended up walking into Harrods and just putting it off a rack. And so, so all these things, you know, were, were were really fun. You won't find those in a biography, but they are part of a novel because they are part of the build-up. And she kept, whenever she went to her to see her designers, 
these two young designers that she just sort of picked from a, a end of year show from St. Martin's College. They just really young designers had never done anything like this before, but she could have liked them. And uh, when she, every time she went to see them, she got thinner and thinner and thinner and they were pulling the dress in wow. because she was losing so much weight. But also they would tell her all these mad things that were happening to them, that the, the press were trying to find out what color the dress was and, and mm -hmm. you know, what kind of material it was from and made from. And so they were, the, the, they were called the Emanuels, the, the designers. And so they were sort of doing decoy things like putting um, sort of decoy bits of silk into the bins so the press would think it was, I don't know, purple or, you know, whatever, just to, just the, everyone was having to behave in such a strange way because there was so much interest in it, covering all their windows with curtains all the time because there were people taking pictures and trying to smuggle things in to, to, to find you know, out what the dress was like. So she had, you know, on the one hand, she was getting thin and all by herself in, in, in the palace. And, and she'd go to her designer and find that, you know, mayhem was going on outside their shop. So such a strange time. And she was so young to have to deal with it. And no one had had to deal with this before, you know, that sort of, I mean, obviously, if you were one of the Beatles, you would have had to deal with it. But yeah. she was a young girl who hadn't really expected anything like that. Plus you so, got people writing ugly things about you. You know, it's one thing, you know, when a woman, you know, is developing and, and growing up and, yeah. you know, she's, she's thinking about her self image and her body yeah. and everything else. You have the whole world and they're, you know, they're writing sure. ugly and probably nasty articles about Diana wore yeah. this today. And, yeah. you know, and you're, like, yeah. you're like, what the hell, man? Like yeah. Just well, yeah, that was very difficult. And, and, and but in fact, her, she, she, she did have a, there was an unbelievable amount of press interest, obviously. But one of her completely, her complete strengths of genius, which was a, a, a really rare thing for a member of the royal family to do, probably unprecedented actually, was that she always got on really well with the press. She, she just, knew how to deal with them even though she was a kid she just knew um how how to do it and one of the reasons for that i think was that she was completely obsessed with as well as with romantic novels she really loved middle market tabloids she really loved the daily mail you know really? she really loved uh, you know, that that sort of and the sun and you know all the sort of tabloidy british papers she really loved them and so she kind of knew what they wanted because she was one of their readers you know so she knew what they were after she knew what they like and she wasn't really frightened of them in the mm -hmm. way that prince charles would because he only read the times or what have you so you know she she got on with them right from the beginning and she would help them you know if they if they they wanted a photograph she would go down and post for them because then they could go home for christmas or go home for dinner or you know she would just oh. she kind of they developed this team teamwork with them but at the very beginning um but she was no fool i mean she was very sharp she was a sharp person i mean she's often written off as a kind of idiot or not a very bright person but she was a very bright person very clever very funny person just not particularly academic but you don't have to be academic to be clever so she did this really clever thing when um when the press were first on her case she was at Balmoral with Prince Charles and he was fishing. He was standing in the river up to his, you know, thighs in rubber, um, in fishing. And she was sitting on the bank, um, as, as his girlfriends were expected to do, just sort of admiringly watching him. And, um, these pressmen were crawling behind her through the undergrowth this, with their telephoto lenses because they spotted that she was there. They wanted to take a photograph. At that stage, no one had photographed her. And, um, she had, a compact mirror and she was watching them 
from behind you know through her com with her compact mirror and so she knew she could see them but they didn't know that she could see them and at the moment they were just about to get a picture of her she got up and she ran into the woods and all they got was a photo of her which was backside and that was it so but you know so she so there was a kind of mutual respect you know they didn't use so they had to realize that she, she was um onto them she knew what they wanted and obviously later on that all changed but at the very beginning it was a it was a team effort and to an extent it the press was so in love with diana they thought she was so great that i think they actually forced the wedding you know there were lots of other people who wanted the wedding to happen the, pre the queen mother wanted charles to marry her there were various courtiers and, and palace servants who wanted it to happen too but the press really wanted this wedding to happen because they loved diana she was total sales gold with newspapers so you know they they really did everything they could to to get this marriage off the ground and of, of course they succeeded there you go and uh, tons of palace intrigue and and uh yeah and, absolutely yeah, she was, and she really seemed to master the press especially in her, her totally because yeah, you know, she, between she mastering fashion yeah. and mastering manipulation, yeah. but I remember the crazy stories of them kept jumping out of bushes to photograph her, the paparazzi. Oh God, absolutely! And, you know, all the yeah. all the craziness that yeah. she, she had to kind of endure, but uh, yeah, she absolutely. seemed to she seemed to hold it with a lot of class. And then seeing her do her charity, uh, anything yeah. more you want to tease out on the book before we go? Oh, um, let me think. I think I've covered quite a lot of it, Chris. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, th I think, I mean, I just really would like to sort of get across the fact that this is a, a book about, um, Diana before she became Diana, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the story of her childhood and, and her school days and, and her friends and this, and this, I think it, the other thing about it was that, it was. It, it, this is this is a sort of snapshot of snapshot. Sorry, of Britain in 1980, which was a time when it was really on the cusp of enormous change. So, you know, all this medieval stuff, this sort of search for a virgin bride, was happening in the context of you know social breakdown. You know, it's it, people. There were riots. There was unemployment. You know, Britain was in a complete mess, and yet this story was was happening right in the middle of it and so a few days after the royal wedding and and the the carriages and the big dress and the saint paul's cathedral and the bells and all the rest of it you know there were there were kind of riots in the inner cities and it was all happening at the same time so it was just a a, a moment in time when this this girl from a particular type type of british um family sort of came up what can i what what can i say she it was just when sort of past meets present in a way that it hasn't really you know that, that was sort of the beginning of a, of, of a complete change which we're, we're still living with i suppose but um anyway that probably doesn't make much sense but she but she was she was a sort of it's in some ways she was a a, a girl from she could have been born at any time from, you know, th the 18th century to the 20th century. Her background was really, really, really old fashioned. And she was actually, despite the fact that we see her as a modern person and a person from the 1980s, she was actually, her education and, and her upbringing were really like something from the 1930s. They were really old fashioned. You know, wow. she grew up at a time when 
nothing much was expected of girls, aristocratic girls. You know, you you they did, they weren't even sent to very good schools. All the money went on the boys' education. But hmm. people like Diana, one of the reasons why she didn't do very well at school was that the school wasn't very good. You know, and it, the, girls like her were expected to marry well. They were expected to you know have children, and. Uh, you know, it was there was not a lot expected, but she had this romantic vision which made all that palatable and possible for her. And the great tragedy was was that all she wanted was was to be loved. You know, yeah. she wanted love. She wanted a f- happy family that stayed together and all lived in the same place. You know, she wanted her children. She, it was really simple. You know, yeah. but she ended up becoming the, the most famous woman in the world. But it wasn't actually what she'd ever wanted, and it wasn't what she'd expected. You know, she'd wanted. She thought Prince Charles was the man for her because she loved him she really loved him and that's why you know in britain the the the, the book is called a love story you know it says the princess a love story because it was a love story she was really really in love and um but you know it didn't work out so it's it's terribly sad um but also really 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 interesting and i think a a, a time capsule because only a certain girl at a certain time could have seen the world in quite that way and the fact that it happened to be diana and she happened to marry prince charles you know and it had this colossal hif- effect which we're we're still living with you know the, the oh, consequences yeah. of it are still playing out with you know harry and william and and what have you so you know it's it's um an amazing and, and consequential story. Yeah, and uh, it's still intrigued today. I mean, people. Yeah, still totally, love and still, and I still, mean, still driving I go to the, news. Yeah, every time here in America, when I go to the, the store, and there's the uh, there's the, uh, the gossip rags on the thing. I mean, there's sure. always one about Diana or, or a profile on her. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, about, people, uh, you know, and Harry, Harry and Meghan. You know, that story is is uh, is is so. Well, obviously connected to 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 Diana and everything that's that happened. These two boys, you know, living with the consequences of their parents' divorce, and they're obviously they've had tricky lives, and and it's all very dramatic, and and the, and the story goes on and on and on. But it began with her and that wedding, and you know everything that happened afterwards. There you so, go. So yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to read, and it'll be out August 1st, 2023. I can't believe we're already in August. So July. Yeah. 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 There you go. I'm still getting used to I'm still in February. Yeah. So there you go. Well, Wendy, it's been wonderful you having the show. Give us your Thank .net you. and other places you want people to find you on the interwebs, please. Uh, I'm, my website is wendyholden.net, and my Instagram is wendyholdenauthor. And my Facebook is um, Wendy Holden Author, and my Twitter is Wendy underscore Holden. There you go. There you go. Well, Wendy, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you very much my for pleasure. coming on. Thank you for there having you me, Chris. Thank you for coming. And uh, it's just such a great story to, yeah. to you know, I think, I, I can't think of anybody who hates Diana. I mean, she no, was, no, so wonderful. No. Everybody loved her. I mean, if I ever met yeah, anybody, no, absolutely. Like, and this I don't is like her. I'd be like, what's wrong with you? So yeah, there you go. Yeah. What a great story. And this is an opportunity to find out, you know, what made Diana Diana. You know, she didn't yeah. just appear. She she came from a real place with real people and had real experiences. And um and this is what formed her. This, that's what my book's about. How she got to uh, to um to how she stepped out of that carriage at St. Paul's and everything that led up to it.
There you go. A romantic story for all the ages. Uh, pick it up wherever fine books are sold, folks. Uh, the Princess, August 1st, 2023 by Wendy Holden is going to be coming out soon. Pre-order it so you can get all the, uh, you can be the first one on your uh, block to read it or your book club. Anyway, thanks everyone for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe and we'll see you guys next time.